All right, everyone, and welcome back to the Red Zone Power Play podcast. Uh, it's great to be back here on this beautiful Tuesday evening. Uh, we're going to get right into it, but before we do, uh, do our introductions, of course. Uh, I'm one of the hosts, Eve. And I'm the other host, Zach. And uh, we're just going to get right into it here. So, uh, Zach, if you want to fill us in on some uh, NHL news here, go right ahead. All right. So uh, in terms of everything that's going on for agency open, there were a million signings. I'm not going to go over every one. Um, I guess the main league-wide headline is that pretty much every single team in the league is going to have a new starting goalie next year. Um, being that <laughs> the goalie market was every team's goalie was a free agent in some aspect and needed re-signed. Um, aside from you know maybe five or six teams, there's been a lot of movement between backups and starters. Um, but focusing just on the Penguins news here, um, Matt Murray was finally traded, um, something we were telling you to keep an eye on last week. Uh, he was moved to the Ottawa Senators um, for a prospect and a pick. Um, the pick was actually used this year to draft another goalie. Um, but I think it was a good move. They finally got something for him. Um, and the prospect, he's not a high-level guy, but you know he's a goal scorer in the in the uh, in the in the OHL. Um, I think he could be a decent, you know, top nine kind of guy in a couple of years here. Um, anyways, the only two signings that were made were uh, Mark Jankowski, a defensive center. Um, he's going to be our third line center, hopefully filling the void um, since Benino left, and uh, Evan Rodriguez was brought back. Um, a guy who we sent in the Kapanen trade to Toronto a couple a little while ago. Um, <clears throat> both were brought in at league minimum. Um, any other signings were just depth guys uh, to fill, you know, the the taxi squad essentially to ride the turnpike from Wilkes-Barre to Pittsburgh. Um, but overall, I think it was a a couple of good signings. And uh, now let's get into something that delayed the start of the podcast a little bit here in the NFL. It pretty much just broke the internet. It really just broke Twitter. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. The whole – so what we're referring to is as we were going to start recording, um, Adam Schefter tweeted that the Jets officially released Le'Veon Bell um, this coming the same day as the New York Times putting get the bell out of here Yeah, um, on the cover. Um, obviously, he's been not too happy in New York uh, since the moment he signed. Really think that he kind of screwed the pooch there. Uh, to put it nicely, um, with everything that happened his last year in Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't think it was a good fit from the start. I didn't think he was going to do anything there. They don't have an offensive line, but, I mean, it's literally destroying Twitter right now. It's almost absurd what it's doing. Well, more importantly, too, it's just that Adam Gase just hasn't been able to u- utilize Le'Veon Bell's skill set. Like, you would think with an offensive mind like Adam Gase, now we, we've said this before, he's the worst head coach in the NFL, and he is. But no question. You would think, yeah, you would just think that he would be able to utilize an all-pro running back like Le'Veon Bell. But to your point, Zach, I mean, Le'Veon Bell goes from having a Hall of Fame quarterback, a great offensive line, just an overall great offense in general, and he just kind of threw that away to go take less money and play for the Jets. I mean, so, the other side of it is he was putting up Hall of Fame numbers here. I mean, he had oh, a Hall of Fame quarterback, sure. no question. But when you're putting up 2,000 yards from scrimmage, 2,500 yards from scrimmage, and you know, 12 to 15 touchdowns in a year, I mean, <laughs> the dude asked to be paid like a wide receiver you know, when he was in Pittsburgh, and 
rightfully so. He was a running back and a wide receiver. When you can run for 1,300 and receive for another eight to 900, pushing 1,000, I mean, there's not many running backs in the history of the game that did that year in and year out. David Johnson did it once. I mean, that's probably the closest we've seen. Gurley's gotten close, but never in terms of the receiving numbers. Um, yeah. He was the best running back in the, in the National Football League, without question. Um, you know, McCaffrey last year is showing another guy who could be that, but I really think that if Bell would have stayed, um, he would have been looking at, you know, three, four straight years of um, 2,000 plus yards from scrimmage. Oh, yeah. Well, without question there. So now the next question is for Le'Veon Bell is where do you sign? I mean, we're already six weeks into the NFL season, five weeks, excuse me, into the NFL season, approaching week six. And I know there are a lot of injuries out there, especially at the running back position, but who would be willing to pay Le'Veon Bell, even just for like a one-year deal? And some of the teams that go out there right now are the Steelers, the Bears, the Cardinals, the Chargers, and the Bills. So now for the Steelers, I don't think the Steelers are going to do this just for the fact that they don't have the cap space to sign Le'Veon Bell. And second of all, too, it's just the Steelers, I feel like the Steelers have a good backfield already with James Conner, Anthony McFarlane, and Benny Snell. So I think the Steelers are fine with the running backs that they have. I think for me, the be- I think for me, the best fit that for for him, I don't know, maybe Los Angeles, just just because you got a young quarterback in Justin Herbert who is showing really good potential, and especially with Austin Eckler going on injured reserve for at least three weeks. Who knows how long he's going to be out for, but he's definitely a better back than Justin Jackson or Josh Kelly. I agree. Um, I, I would say to your point about the Steelers, the backfield being really solid. One name you forgot would be Ray Ray McLeod. Um, yeah, you knew, you're right. I, I did forget to mention <laughs> him. You're right. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think that they're pretty solid there. Um, obviously we, we know that James Conner most likely will not be re-signed next year. Um, and it's going to be, you know, the Benny Snell show and Anthony McFarland is going to be uh, a solid backup. But I don't think even morally the Steelers can take him back after, you know, he had a a decently calm exit, especially compared to former teammate Antonio Brown. Um, you know, he it was more mutual. He was kind of calm with the Roonies. He just said, you know, I don't I don't want to be here if I'm not going to get paid like I want to be paid. He bet on himself. Respect to him for that. Um, I don't know. I think it's either the Chargers or the Bears. Um, he won't sign with a non-contender. Uh, the Cardinals, I don't think he goes there between Chase Edmonds and Kenyon Drake. I think they're pretty well set. And that offense is an air raid offense. I mean, that's why they got Hopkins, Fitz, and Christian Kirk. Um, and Kyler runs the ball more than either of the two running backs, so it just doesn't make sense. Um, I think if you go to the Chargers, you have a similar, um, style to Ben, uh, at, at the helm, you know, and Justin Herbert, another big, you know, six, four, six, five frame, um, massive arm and, and Herbert's a little more mobile, uh, but he's very smart for what people gave him credit for quarterback. He's not a, you know, he's not a, a mind yet in terms of, you know, a cerebral quarterback, but, um, I think he's going to get there. I don't know if Bell going there is the answer, especially with Eckler coming back soon. Granted, he's an upgrade to whoever they have starting now. Um, I just don't know if they're going to take that on 
to go, you know, 1A, 1B with Eckler and Bell because Eckler is good enough just by himself. I think the Bears are the answer. Uh, Tariq Cohen's not a starting running back, um, and they need that, you know, a little bit of running game. Um, Allen Robinson can carry a passing game, no question. He's a true number one, um, and Foles would definitely benefit from having a Le'Veon Bell to hand or dump the ball off to. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I can agree with that. Just, um, we're, we're in Tuesday right now, and he was just released, so we'll probably have to give it a few days here before he decides to sign with anybody. But, yeah, I, I, can, I can agree with your point in him signing with the Bears. But um, we, have a, we have another breaking news that just came out yesterday. The Falcons have fired their head coach and Dan Quinn after an 0-5 start. So, Zach, what was your initial reaction to the f- firing of Dan Quinn? Um, this should have happened last year. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you're right. I mean, when you got a team, and I think we mentioned it either in the first or second episode, that just plays dead. They're not alive. They don't give their all. They give up on games early, um, as evidenced by you know the Cowboys game when they could have just recovered the onside kick and just watched it. <laughs> you know, I think that um, an uninspired football team, um, as there was a quote um, to go, you know, going back to hockey real quick, the Penguins and they replaced their head coach in the past. Um, the quote was made that it's easier to replace one guy than an entire roster. Um, it's true. I mean, there's not the the players aren't the problem. You know, with some of the defensive players they have, you know, having Matt Ryan, Julio, Ridley, you know, Gurley. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily the players so much as the coach. He kind of lost the. He lost the room. Um, but it was a long time coming. He probably should have been fired after the Dallas game. Just the fact that you blew another, what was it like 30 point lead or whatever it was. It was something, it was something like that. But the fact that they couldn't recover an onside kick really shows that you're just a bad head coach. And, And this is coming from a coach that led his team to the Super Bowl. Not too long ago. So, I mean, you got to question, like, what changed? What happened? Was it the players? Was it different coaching? I don't know, but I I do agree with you. Just I think he did lose the room, lose his uh, roster. Just nobody really wanted to seem to play for him anymore. Kind of the same thing that happened with um, uh, who was fired last week. Uh, I totally forget, but I, I know what uh, you mean. You know, losing, uh, losing your, or Bill O'Brien, Bill O'Brien. That's right. Bill O'Brien. Yeah. I, I can't believe I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. I mean, when you get to the point where your players just don't want to play, it's tough to justify keeping someone around. You know, here's an, also an interesting quote made by the Falcons owner, Arthur Blank about Matt Ryan's future with the Falcons. He said, we'll see. So that that almost tells you that he might not be around next year, especially if they get a top five pick, maybe even a top three pick. Do you take that pick on Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, any of the top quarterbacks coming into this coming into this upcoming draft? So it's too bad for him, for Matt Ryan, too, because he's an MVP candidate. Now, maybe with the firing of Dan Quinn, maybe Matt Ryan will play better. I mean, it's very possible. Um, I don't know. I think I think they're going to be a top five pick, and like you said, potentially top three. 
Um, if you get inside that top three, you almost have to take one of those guys coming out of school. Um, I don't know that taking Justin Fields would solve the problem. I feel like he's he's almost like a Jalen Hurts. I don't know what he's really going to do um, because he seems more like a system college quarterback or a guy who just excels against you know a lot of weaker teams in, in college. Um, you look at his numbers against you know top dogs in college, and his numbers drop. Um, you know, whereas Trevor Lawrence is unreal against everybody and then really still solid against the really good teams. Um, I don't know. I think unless you know you're going to be getting Trevor Lawrence, you have to bring Matt Ryan back to almost kind of teach whoever you bring in if it's not Trevor Lawrence because you can't risk putting it all on the shoulders of someone like Jalen Field uh, or uh, sorry Justin Fields and um, uh, the kid from North Dakota. I can't remember the name off the top of my head who's out of nowhere become a, a potential top 10 pick. Um, I, I don't know. I think that that's a team that needs a little bit of reworking, but not a lot. I think it's more a philosophy system type problem at this point. Now I'm going to go back to the Jets here real quick, just because they've been the top headline for a, while, for a few minutes here. But um, if the Jets start 0-6, if they lose this upcoming weekend to the Dolphins, do you think Adam Gase is next? No chance. They won't fire him. <laughs> For literally no reason. The guy should not be in football. He should not have a job. He should not be getting paid to coach a football team any older than Pee Wee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but he's just that bad. I don't think he – I think the year that the Dolphins were, what, 7-9 and nine under him? Yeah, something like that. And they – or 9-7. and seven. It was one or the other. I can't quite remember. Um, I think the only reason that happened – is because is because the offense was so inspired with the injury to Brian Tannehill that year, and then Matt Moore came in and they played the Steelers and got absolutely demolished by Bud Dupree. Yeah, um, but I don't know. I think that that there's no way they do it. If they do, I will eat my words happily. Um, but the words from the Jets ownership, it just doesn't seem like it's going to happen. And if they go zero and sixteen. I still don't know if it's going to happen. <laughs> Let's be real. I, I don't know if it would ever happen again, an 0-16 coach being brought back, but um, I just don't know. I don't I don't know what they're going to do. That's an organization that makes no sense as what they just did, releasing Le'Veon Bell at 9 o'clock at night on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just a mess. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, it, it was really funny. Like when you said that, like he shouldn't even be coaching a peewee team. That was something that Mike Greenberg said on ESPN after they after the Jets went like zero and three or something like that. He basically said, "I would not allow Adam Gase to coach like my kids' peewee football league." That's just how bad of a head coach he is, and I completely agree with that statement right there. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't think I would let him do it either. Truthfully. I don't blame him, a Greenberg on that one. Um, but enough ragging on head coaches. Let's get into some recap here. Um, the the Bears beating the Bucks last Thursday night. Um, do you think that the Bears are even a threat to the Packers in the in the uh, NFC North? I mean, it's a tough call for me. What do you think? I think no, just because of Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is playing the way that he played back in like 2011, 2012, back when he was winning 
back when he won the MVP. And I, I just think the Packers are the more complete team in that division. Now, I, I think the Bears may have a little bit more of a better defense than the Packers right now. And the Packers are have some injuries right now but still Aaron Rodgers is getting the ball out to these no-name receivers and they're winning games so I I don't think there's a chance that the Bears can compete with the Packers I think it'll I think when the matchup first comes up here in the next couple weeks I don't know when they play but it it should be a close game I'm not going to say the Packers are going to blow them out or anything like that but to me this is the Packers division they are the more complete team, and I don't expect the Bears to beat them twice. Yeah, I, I couldn't say it any better myself. I don't think that they um, are in any league near the Packers right now. Um, when you got Aaron Rodgers protecting the ball the way he is, like you said, getting it to these no-name receivers, you know, Lazard and Valdez Scantling, you could throw uh, the brute trash can on the sideline at the 10-yard line, and it would probably catch a couple passes at this point. Um He's just on a different level. Uh, he's finally refound his game. I think the, the coaching change has helped that. Um, I just genuinely don't think that the Bears are, uh, are a threat. Now, if they make the playoffs, they make the playoffs. But they're not going to win that division. I don't see it happening. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I don't, I don't see them winning that division either. But um, moving on to the Bucks here. So Brady lost, and he didn't play his best game, but I still think he played well enough to – come back and win. Obviously we have a new meme of him now, obviously forgetting the fact that he, he didn't realize it was fourth down. And I thought that was pretty funny, but um, Zach, do you still have faith in Brady? Yeah. I think uh, after the first few games this year and the last 18 years of, uh, of knowledge, I'm tired of betting against him and losing. Um, he's going to do everything he can for uh for that team to make the playoffs it's just a matter of can they stay healthy um that running game if ronald jones goes down you do have Fournette. Fournette's a little banged up right now um but if they can get godwin back um having evans godwin um is a is a pretty lethal one too there um i excuse me i think the defense is playing well enough uh to win some some close you know one score uh type football games um it's just a matter of of can they stay healthy? I think they're a team that's been really banged up. Um, and that's, that's their biggest weakness right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you right there. It's just, um, you're right. They're banged up. They're a banged up football team. Uh, Chris Godwin didn't play in this matchup again. So um, he may be a good, he may be good to go this upcoming week when they play the uh, Packers, but yeah, they're they're a banged up football team on the offensive side of the ball. They definitely need to get healthy. And really something that really killed the Bucks on last Thursday night was penalties. They had like four straight penalties and, and they were just dumb penalties too. Like it was just fundamental football that they didn't follow. So that's something that they got to clear up on. But um yeah, no, I couldn't have said it any better. It's just that they just need to get healthy. The defense, they're making plays all over the ball. They're fine. I have no issue with their pass rush. Their secondary, I think, can maybe use just a little bit more work. But other than that, they're fine. And, yeah, I know I have full confidence in Brady that he will come back this upcoming weekend and play a, play a lot better. Definitely. Um, 
so our next our next one we're going to look at here is the Raiders actually beating the Chiefs. Um, now, granted, this Chiefs loss helps some of the AFC contenders in the Ravens and the Steelers, um, especially um, the Steelers, I would say, most of all being an unbeaten team um, in the AFC here. Um, what what are your takes here on why the Raiders won uh, won this week? To me, I think the Raiders exposed the Chiefs' secondary. I mean, their best player is Tyron Matthew without question, but, I mean, look at Henry Ruggs. He, he just torched them on two back-to-back play, deep balls. And I, I just think that also Derek Carr playing as well as he did is playing as well as he did. He was able to get the ball out quickly and throw the ball deep. So I think the chief secondary was exposed and they, they were able to contain Patrick Mahomes. That I think right there is the storyline of the game is the chiefs were able to contain Patrick Mahomes. And that's something that not a lot of people have done. I Especially, think the Patriots laid the framework for that the week before because they kept yeah. him pretty well contained. I mean, granted he did, throw a good bit more this week against the Raiders. But I really think, um, to your point, it's something that a lot of teams are going to start doing. Um, I think once the framework's been laid once, now twice, it's something that they're going to keep doing. And now Andy Reid has to adjust. But, um, I yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I definitely... No, 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 you're good. I had that in my notes as one of the main reasons that the Raiders won. My other big thing was Henry Ruggs returning and Derek Carr taking care of the ball and getting it out yeah. quick. I yeah. think those, those two things were easily the two biggest keys to that win. No, I mean, you said it better than I did. So <laughs> I was trying to find the right words, but I just couldn't find them. So oh, you're good. But yeah. So like, um, but yeah, I, I do think this helps the uh, other AFC contenders too. Like, like we said, the uh, Ravens chiefs, even the game that's going on right now, the Bills and the Titans, they're looking pretty – both these teams are looking pretty good, especially the Titans. Actually, let's talk about the Titans here real quick and just the fact that they haven't played football in two weeks, almost two weeks, and they're up 28-16. to 16. That, That's impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're a team that's going to play an inspired game tonight, and I think that's what we're seeing. Um, the defense is playing really well. Um, you're seeing the return of A.J. Brown. Um, it makes a difference when you have you know passing weapons for Tannehill. Um, he's not going to have to throw for 300. Derrick Henry right now literally has 29 rushing yards and a touchdown. Um, they're not running the ball effectively, but that was to be expected on this Bills front. Um, but the passing game is uh, is finding its rhythm. The defense, though, I think is the storyline for the Titans today uh, or tonight. I think that's why they're up. You know the way that they are and playing as well as they are. Um, they're keeping that Bills running game to literally nothing. Um, and I mean, Stefan Diggs has 10 catches for 106, but it's hard to keep that kind of a, of a receiver in check. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that the Titans right now are a team that look really good. Can they get the guys off COVID and back to, uh, back to playing on the field? But, um, yeah, uh, I'll let you continue there with your, uh, analysis of the AFC guys. Yeah, so just with the way that the Titans and Bills are playing, especially the Titans right now, I, I think they can comp- any one of these four teams can compete with the Chiefs. So you just have to have a good defense, and all four of those teams have excellent defenses. 
they, they, they're able to get after the quarterback. They're able to create turnovers and they're able to shut down the run game. And that right there are the three keys that I think you need to dethrone the defending AFC and Super Bowl champions. I agree. I think that's the easiest way to go about it. Um, it's just a matter mostly of keeping Mahomes in check, but if you can limit their run game, they have nothing um, because it makes it harder on Mahomes to make plays. He's forcing the ball downfield into places where it shouldn't go. Um, even the most talented arm in the, N- in the NFL, it's hard to um, it's hard to do something into double coverage everywhere you look. Um, that's just kind of my thoughts there. Yeah, no, no, I agree. But um, okay, let's move on to the next game that happened. The uh, Cleveland Browns won their fourth straight game. They beat the Indianapolis Colts thirty-two to twenty-one. I think the final score was, and Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield and that Cleveland Browns offense they they kept it roll they kept the ball rolling they kept running the ball really well setting up the play action pass, and they're sitting at four and one right now. So Zach, what was the storyline of the game in your eyes? To me, it was the Browns' defense. I'm, I, I understand Philip Rivers is nothing like he was um, a few years ago, and the Colts' offense isn't any near uh, the same as what he had uh, just last year in L.A. Um, yeah, but Mayfield didn't have any crazy numbers. The running game didn't have anything absurd. I mean, Kareem Hunt looked good. He looked like you know the Kareem Hunt from Kansas City. Um, you know, seventy-two yards, I think, on the ground there. Um, a couple of those Browns receivers had 70-plus yards, but there was nothing special going on. It was that defense making the plays that they did, keeping that uh, that Colts running game in check. Um, Jonathan Taylor, um, you know, uh, the Colts had a decent game, but they definitely didn't have enough to beat that defense. Um, and I think that they really got to Rivers well, but also covered downfield pretty solid. The only, the only real weakness I saw was a little bit of uh, underneath route um, weakness, but that's tough to cover for any any team. Let's give some credit to the uh, Browns' offensive line too. They've really improved since last year. They only allowed one sack of Baker Mayfield, and they were able to contain probably two of the top pass rushers in the NFL in DeForest Buckner and Justin Houston. They only got to him once, but yeah, no, I agree. The defense was probably the big storyline. Of this game, Philip Rivers threw two interceptions, no touchdowns. They were able to contain Jonathan Taylor. T.Y. Hilton didn't have the best game just to create those turnovers. And Philip Rivers on that on his first interception, which ended up being a pick six, that was just a dumb move by a veteran guy. I mean, he should know better not to throw that out route. I mean, it was clearly covered, and I don't know what he was thinking there. But also, like – just the Colts defense, yeah, too. They they weren't able to get after Baker Mayfield, like I said, only allowing one sack. They did pick off Baker Mayfield twice, but that was in the fourth quarter and it was approaching uh, garbage time. So, yeah, there's just the Browns' offense and their defense definitely stepped up this upcoming week. And um, I heard this interesting storyline. I saw this article, and Dan Orlovsky said this on ESPN but the Browns are like the Tennessee Titans of last year. They're running the ball, setting up the play action for Baker. They getting scoring points up early and then their defense is just taking care of the work at the end of the game. 
Zach, do you agree with that? Do you think the Browns are the Titans of last year? Yeah, I can see uh, a solid amount of resemblance. I think, as you mentioned, in the way of running the ball effectively, um, you know, with Henry running for 1,500-some yards last year, um, it can be seen as to what they're doing by committee um, when Chubb was healthy. Uh, it'll continue when Chubb's back. Um, I think that they're a team that they're not going to rely heavily on the passing game, but if you can get that run established, the play action opens way up. Um, and then you do have you know Jarvis Landry and Odell uh, going downfield. It's it's a recipe for a lot of points to be going up uh, as if you're an opponent or an, an opposition defense uh, couldn't get that out. Um, I don't know. I think the other the other thing for me is the ability for that defense to keep quarterbacks in check uh, downfield, limit everything to more of an underneath route where um, <clears throat> not as many yards are given up. Uh, you're kind of playing you know small ball at that point, um, and they're. They're playing pretty well. I mean, Miles Garrett's really good up front, um, and he's he along with you know the the other pass rushers are getting to quarterbacks. They're keeping the running game in check. Um, I think they're a pretty good uh, reminiscence of the Titans of last year. Yeah, no, I mean Miles Garrett is definitely a defensive player of the year candidate right now. I'm seeing that he's leading it. Uh, probably close to him are Aaron Donald and TJ Watt, of course. But also just with the Browns defense, they lead the league in takeaways right now. So they're definitely getting to the quarterback and making the opposing quarterback make a mistake. Or they're just punching the ball out too. So the Browns defense, now the Browns defense is good, but they're just not at the elite level just yet because they're at the bottom of the league in terms of rushing and passing and points allowed to, I think I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Cause they, they've allowed for the most part, 30 some points per game. So they definitely need to get better. But when you have a guy like miles Garrett, Sheldon Richardson and all the other pass rushers that the Browns have, they definitely have the key to success. I agree. Um, and speaking of keys to success, Russell Wilson is certainly a key to success. Um, as the Seahawks managed to beat the Vikings uh, on the definition of a nail-biter, uh, 27-26. Um, now, we watched a, a slightly questionable decision last night on the behalf of the Vikings um, going for it. What are your thoughts on, uh, on Mike Zimmer allowing that to happen? Just questionable coach coaching, in my opinion. I mean... Listen, you're down inside the red zone. I think it was inside the 10-yard line, too. And you have fourth and inches. You're up by five points. It's 26 to 21. Me, I would have taken the safe bet, taken the field goal, and and making Russell Wilson have to go down the field, score a touchdown, and go for two. But instead, you, you do the questionable thing and go for it and fail. Now, I mean, if they would have gone for it, then that probably would have ended the game and the Vikings would be sitting here at two and three instead of one and four. But I guess I can understand the decision, too, because you're a one and three football team. You're trying to turn your season around, hopefully to stay alive in your division and stay alive for the playoffs. But at some point, I think you have to do the safe option and kick the field goal to make Russell Wilson go down the field and have to go for two. I agree. By going for it and failing, it's just the byproduct is Russell Wilson is going to beat you. Um, 
you give him enough time, you give him, you know, a decent room out of the end zone. Um, they, it's a recipe for disaster. Um, you know, they got Carson running the ball really well, but then you got Lockett and Metcalf and then you got Russ. I mean, he's going to manage the heck out of that game. He's going to manage the heck out of that last possession. And you know, for certain they were going to score just enough to win that game. I had no doubt in my mind once Zimmer made that call to go for it. As soon as it failed, the writing was on the wall. You had to know that Russ was going to pull some magic. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, we, we, we've been talking about Russell Wilson, loving him, praising him since the minute we started this podcast. And for good reason, too, because he is probably the lead candidate for MVP right now. But what I also want to point out, too, is that when Russell Wilson drove that offense down the field and scored that game-winning touchdown, they went for two, and they failed. So now you're really looking at Mike Zimmer and saying, buddy, they just went down the field and scored, but they failed on the two-point conversion. Why didn't we just kick the field goal, and we would have won by two points? So Definitely. I agree. Yeah, it, yeah it, it's, just a, it's just questionable coaching right now. We'll have to wait and see if anything else happens, but we're going to move on to the next game here. And this one was a bit of a heartbreak for not just Cowboys fans, but just for the whole league in general too. But the Cowboys beat the Giants by by a score of 37-34. It was a heartbreaking win because they lost their quarterback for the year. Dak Prescott, it, Dak Prescott breaking his ankle, pretty much shattering it. it. It was a gruesome injury. It was just so bad. But uh, Zach, how do you? How does the loss of Dak Prescott affect the Cowboys? Um, it is worst case scenario for them. Um, Prescott, you know, we talked about Bell betting on himself a few years back. He is literally doing that this year. Um, a guy who was asking forty to forty five million. Um, per year on a franchise tag now um, waiting for that deal he was playing at a level where he could warrant that kind of money I saw a stat I think it was last Friday that he would be the first quarterback he was on pace to be the first quarterback to throw for over 6,000 yards and run for um, I think it was like 750 or something like that I didn't write it down I should have that's insane um, yeah, like, I mean, he's thrown for 500 yards a game at this point I mean, if you look back, um, it's not exactly that but he has some ridiculous stats this year. Um, but I think for me, losing Dak, I mean, I feel terrible. I mean, you, you saw what happened, and I'm sorry, Tony Romo, but it definitely was not a cramp. Um, if you look, his ankle is the complete other direction from the rest of his leg. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think, um, I think having Andy Dalton leading that team now um, jumping ahead to like our next point here. Um, I don't know. I think Dak brings that dual threat ability, um, but running the offense that he knows for the last three years here, um, you know, he knows when it's time to, to feed Zeke. He knows when it's time to air it out to, you know, the guys downfield. Um, Dalton's a guy that he's experienced, don't get me wrong. And he's, he's got enough in the tank to get them to the postseason, especially in a division where, two and three is just enough to be in first place um, because nobody else has two wins. I think they make the playoffs. I think they, I think they do just enough. I think they finish, you know, maybe nine and seven. 
um, you know, seven and six the rest of the way here. Um, I just, I don't know. (laughs) It's tough for me to, it's tough for me to say what they're going to be without him. Um, I just know that, that losing Dak is, is probably the worst thing they could have dealt with. Losing a running back, you can replace that enough, especially now that Le'Veon Bell's on the market. Losing a wide receiver, they have two other really good ones that can step in. But um, to me, I think that they're in a they're in a spot where they really got to bear down and play with a lot of heart. Well, yeah. First off, I gotta say that I am praying for Dak Prescott. Uh, it was no one wants to see that. It was a gruesome injury, and Dak. I'm praying for you, man, and wish you nothing but a speedy recovery. But um, it, it the loss of Dak Prescott is going to hurt the Cowboys. There's no question about that. But I actually think this sets up perfectly for Andy Dalton just because of the weapons that he has around him. He, he has a lot of great weapons, and I think this is probably the most weapons he's had in his entire career. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, he's had he's had some good weapons back when he was with the Bengals. He had A.J. Green, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Jeremy Hill, and a few others. And um, who is their tight end? That was Eifert at one point, but he could never stay healthy. Right, Tyler Eifert. Don't forget the gravestone, Giovanni Bernard, who like I keep forgetting is like actually still in the league, but somehow sneaks in there for like 30 yards a week. Yeah, yeah, he's he's such he's so weird to me. Now that you brought up the Bengals, I just had to kind of mention it. (laughs) (laughs) No, you're good. I I actually forgot he was in the league too. So, but anyway, but back to my point. It's just he's got Amari Cooper, Ceedee Lamb, Dalton Schultz, who's no scrub, and a great running back in Ezekiel Elliott. So, I think Andy Dalton can have a lot of success here with the Cowboys and. There's no question that they can go, they can win seven games. They can win seven games down the stretch of the season. But the defense obviously really worries me right now for the Cowboys just because they clearly they don't have a secondary, they don't have a pass rush. They they let Danny Dimes score thirty four points on them, and. So that, that that should obviously tell everybody something. What they what the Cowboys should do is go out and sign Earl Thomas. That would really help their secondary out. But I think this sets up perfectly for Andy Dalton. I think he'll be successful here. He can lead them to the playoffs. Now, obviously, if we look at Andy Dalton's playoff record, doesn't have a single win. But I think he, he could but at the end of the day, he can definitely lead you to the playoffs. It's just a question of will he win one? But I don't think they will. Yeah, I, I just don't think he's a big stage quarterback enough to really do anything special um, with that team. And I think that without Dak, they're not going to make much of a run. Um, that's You summed up summed it up pretty well. Um, I couldn't really say much better than that. Um, and I guess the only game we have left to recap would be the Steelers beating the Birds. God, it was so nice. The interstate battle. It was so nice to see 30 points on the black and gold side. Oh, it really um, was. It was so long coming. Um, but the Steelers' secondary was a little suspect. Um, a uh, no-name receiver that was released at the beginning of the year from the Broncos practice squad 
um, lit him up for over 115 yards and, and, a, and some, some scores there. Um, do you question the Steelers secondary? What are your, uh, what are your thoughts there? Um, I don't know if I necessarily question them. I just ask that they step up and make a play. Like, yeah, you, you got a guy in Travis Fulgham who I heard was cut 10 times in his entire career, light you up for 115 yards and a touchdown. I was sitting in my seat think, just asking myself, can someone please cover this guy? I I just don't understand why Joe Hayden or Steven Nelson couldn't cover Travis Fulgham. But other than that, I I don't necessarily question the Steelers secondary. I just ask that they step up and make a play. Thankfully, they were able to do that a few times. They forced two turnovers, two interceptions by Steven Nelson, getting back into the rhythm of things, picking up sort of of where he left off last year, but still needs to get a little better. Um, I know a lot of the media is questioning Mika Fitzpatrick right now, but what they have to understand is that quarterbacks aren't throwing his way. And and we talked about this last week too. When you have an all-pro safety in Mika Fitzpatrick, you'd rather that he's not targeted because that just shows that he's a dominant guy. Now, I know we're all waiting for him to make a play, make an interception, and that'll come. But right now, we just got to be patient. And I think the Steelers secondary just needs to step up and make a little bit of a play. I'm not worried about the rest of the defense because they're able to get to the rest of the court. They're able to get to the quarterback and they're able to force some turnovers. So that no question about the Steelers, Steelers defense as a whole. Yeah, I think as a secondary, in terms of Minka, um, I mean, as a safety, you don't want your name called because at that point, it means you're getting burned. Um, or something bad is happening. Um, I think for him, the, the big thing is like you mentioned him not getting targeted like at all. Um, you know, you talk about Revis Island, how nobody would target anybody near Darrell Revis. Nobody's really throwing on Minka's side of the field. Um, that's why he's not able to make plays. It's why he's not, you know, returning picks for a touchdown from 96 yards away like he did last year. Um, because now they know what they're throwing at. They know that he's a ball hawk. They know he's going to come in. He's going to make plays. He's either going to, you know, just dis- destroy a wide receiver who makes a catch, um, or he's going to intercept a ball. He's going to force a fumble. He's going to force a, you know, he's going to tip a ball. He's going to do something. They know that he's there and he's going to make a play. So I think for me, I'm not so much worried about um, the Steelers secondary so much as just a general, you know. Try not to let a no-name receiver go for 115 yards. Um, granted, it's going to happen. There's going to be 100-yard receivers. They're not going to hold everybody in check all season long. Um, but to me, I think the defense is going to be fine. Um, I'm not too worried about them, uh, you know, not making plays. Yeah, no, I I, I agree with that. It's just, um, yeah, like I've been saying, they just need to step up and make a play. But enough of the defense – Let's get into the offensive side of the ball. How about this rookie that we took in the second round? Chase Claypool, Mapletron, scores four total touchdowns, one one rushing touchdown and four receiving touchdowns. He also had over 10 catches for over 100 yards. It's clear that the Steelers find wide receivers 
in in the draft and they just get oh, they just get great wide receivers so oh, <laughs> what's your what's your make of Chase Claypool's big day well as uh, Dante said last week uh, he's a big Notre Dame guy um, Claypool representing right now um, I don't know I think that it's it's unique that a, a rookie receiver um, is getting such an extended look in terms of a major role. Um, now, granted, Deontay Johnson kind of had to last year, but that was due to injury. Um, but this is more of a, you know, nobody's really hurt right now that he needs to be getting these kind of targets. Um, but the other side of it is 6'4", running a four four forty, a linebacker is not covering that. There's not a linebacker in the league that can cover that. And then you got to try and put a corner on him who's 5'9", 5'10", that's going to lose every jump ball and may be able to keep up. It's tough for me, man. I I love Claypool. I think he was a great pick. It was some size that we sorely needed, um, you know, in the receiving core. Um, Juju's you know six foot tall, which is great. You got Deontay at like you know five foot ten, not a huge guy. Um, you know, James Washington is not a massive guy, but now you have this weapon for Ben downfield that, you know, I'm not saying Ben's inaccurate now because he's clearly not with how he's playing, but it helps him to have kind of a bigger target to throw at, if that makes sense. Yeah, and um, Coach Tom was kind of talking about, like, the sheen of it and everything. Just, I guess what he was referring to is that that could have been anybody. That could have been Juju. That could have been James Washington. That could have been Eric Ebron. But, yeah, I, I just I, – I agree with everything that you're saying. Chase Claypool is for sure a gem that the Steelers find. And like I said, the Steelers just find wide receivers out of nowhere and they tend to be really good. Um, But yeah, I just, based on the scheme of things, it really could have been anybody. It could have been Juju and it, it could have been James Washington or Eric Ebron. But um, oh, I lost my train of thought here for a second. No worries. Um, to your point, though, it, it could have been every, anybody. That whole receiving core is good enough to um, to, do, to have that kind of a day. I mean, you saw Juju in week one had two touchdowns. Then you saw Deontay get you know eight catches the following week. And then um, Juju had another good game the week after. And now Claypool's having a good week. So next week it could be James Washington or it could be Juju. It could be anybody. Um, you know, clearly they don't really draft wide receivers in the first round. Um, but you see Juju, who's a second rounder, Claypool is a second rounder, Deontay, who was, I believe a fourth rounder third, I think third, right. Um, you know, James Washington was a second or a third Antonio Brown was a fifth or sixth. I mean, you see these guys coming out of these later rounds and they just turn into studs. (laughs) Oh, for sure. It's something that, you know, not many teams can say they do. Um, so I definitely think that that's a big asset for us in terms of our skill position guys are later round draft picks, which is a big thing, meaning we can spend those upper level dra- or the, you know, those early round picks on other positions of need rather than going out and trying to take, you know, a CD lamb in the first round or, um, you know, an Ezekiel Elliott in the first round, anything like that. So it obviously, it also helps when you have a hall of fame quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, absolutely. Just- yeah, but um, also the Steelers don't necessarily have, in my eyes, a number one wide receiver right now, because that's pretty much anybody. 
yes, who's the Steelers' number one wide receiver? I could say Juju, or I could say Claypool. I could say Deontay Johnson or James Washington. It's just That's just what I – and I've said this before. That's just what I love about the Steelers' offense is that Ben's spreading the ball out to his playmakers. He's not forcing the ball to anybody, and all of – every single playmaker is making plays. Absolutely. It's it's a huge asset for the team. It helps Ben um, being able to throw anywhere instead of having to you know work one way towards one guy. Um, you know it makes it harder for defenses to key in on somebody. You can't just double Juju and then say, okay, go to Claypool and Johnson or right. double Johnson and then vice versa. You know they they right. pretty much have to single cover um, and then just keep one guy um, on what they think is the primary route, but. I think that that's huge for them. I think that's really going to benefit in the long run because I don't think any one receiver is going to step up for 1,800 yards. I think that they're going to have, you know, one guy maybe hits 1,000, another guy's, you know, in the 800 range, someone else in that six to 700 range. You know, there's going to be um, an even spread in terms of what we have receiving yardage-wise. We could have 2,000-yard receivers. We could have three 900-yard receivers. You just don't know at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and and that's just what you love to see. I'm really looking forward to seeing more of Chase Claypool and the Steelers' offense all season long. But uh, so we're five weeks into the NFL season, come, approaching week six, and there's there are some good NFL teams out there. Five of them are still undefeated. One of them is about to lose right now in being the Bills. But Zach, in your eyes, who are your top five teams in the NFL right now? My top team in the NFL is the Green Bay Packers. That's my number one, um, I got to say, because they are probably um, they're probably the most dominant winning team. Um, you know, they're, they're winning games, you know, 30-16, 42-21, 43-34. That sounds a lot closer, but putting up 43 points is no uh, laughing matter. Um, I think that to me, Aaron Rodgers keeps playing this way. They're the number one team. Um, in the NFL, my number two, um, I'm giving that to Seattle, even though, you know, winning the last, you know, the last game by the skin of their teeth. Um, and even the Dallas game being a little closer than they wanted the new England game. Um, I just think that Russ, uh, and that offense are good enough to be number two. Um, to me, I got to give my number three to the Steelers. I got to say that that defense, uh, forcing the kind of turnovers that they are, um, as well as, just getting to the quarterback, constantly getting sacks, um, and the offense now finally crossing 30 points. Maybe it happens some more, keeps scoring points. The defense doesn't have to do as much. Um, interestingly, I'm going to put the Chiefs at number four. Um, I think that now that defenses have a script on how to stop Mahomes, it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, because it's not, you know, the book is kind of being written finally, uh, so to speak. Um, and I just think that that's a, uh, that's a worry for me, but also I know that somehow he's going to respond and throw for 400 yards and eight touchdowns or something stupid next week. Um, and I'm going to give my fifth team to the Bills. I'm leaving the Titans out simply because they have half their team on the COVID IR. Um, I got to say the Bills because the offense looks dynamic. You know, they, they didn't play the great of a game uh, tonight as they're losing, you know, 42 to 16. Um, but I think. Josh Allen is a quarterback who has progressed a lot. He's become a lot more than what people gave him credit for. 
Um, they have Diggs, they have Beasley, two guys that, you know, Beasley was never a, a number two, but he's finally getting the chance to be, and he's showing why he should have been. Um, and I think that defense, uh, you know, having Josh Norman, he's not what he used to be, but, you know, he's he's still a solid receiver, or not receiver, sorry, cornerback. Um, their linebackers are good. I think their secondary is solid. I think the only thing they really need to work on is getting that offensive line to work more as a unit to uh, benefit their running game. But that's my top five. Interesting how you leave out the Ravens. I still think they're a top five team, but... Anyway, they're they're in my top five, but my number one is still the Kansas City Chiefs. I have to, I still have to put them up there. I know they just lost to the Oakland Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, excuse me. But Patrick Mahomes still playing lights out football, just getting the ball to his playmakers, Tyreek Hill, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's having a phenomenal rookie season. Defense still need like I said earlier, they, they just need to step up a little bit, but they're still playing really well. So I have the Chiefs at number one. My number two team is going to be the Green Bay Packers for the exact reason that you put them at number one. Uh, just Aaron Rodgers playing at the MVP level that he is just getting the ball to his playmakers. Their their defense is playing lights out too. To me, they are the most complete team in the NFC right now. And I think as we get down the road towards the end of the season, you probably will see Green Bay at the number one seed. Uh, my number three team will probably be the Seattle is the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, exactly what you said, Russell Wilson still cooking up everything that he can, showing magic. Let Russ cook. Uh, their biggest weakness is the defense. I. They're they're just missing a lot of pieces in the secondary. It doesn't help when you have Jamal Adams out for a second straight game. But I have no doubt that Russell Wilson can get the job done, bail his defense out, and just put up points. My fourth team, I'm going to put the Baltimore Ravens. I still think, in my eyes, they're the team to beat in the AFC North just because Lamar Jackson playing still at the MVP level that he's playing at. Maybe just maybe he took a step back just a little bit, but not by much. That defense for sure can get after the quarterback, is holding people to only three points under like 20-some points, except for when they lost to the Chiefs. But the defense for sure is why I'm why I have them in my top five. And number five team has got to be the Bills, just for the exact reason why you put them at number five. I think for me, leaving the Ravens out um, was because Lamar hasn't quite looked the same. Now, granted, nobody's going to put up the same kind of season that he just did last year. Um, that's that's not an every season type deal, and I get that. Um, I just think, to me, they're not winning games convincingly enough um, to warrant what they're doing. Um, they don't have any aspect of their game that's really standing out. You know, They don't have the running game like they did last year. Um, granted their defense has been solid don't get me wrong um, but I, I don't know I, I mean Ingram's not really doing much uh, Dobbins isn't really doing much <clears throat> and then Marquise Brown Willie Sneed those guys are not really they're not really stepping up and being that outstanding player but I definitely can't argue with your list I think that it's a very solid list um, and I, I find it interesting that both of us are uh, leaving the Titans out as well an undefeated team so um, 
yeah, I think that's those are some pretty comprehensive lists there. Yeah, no, I agree completely. And like, listen, I'm a huge Steelers fan, but I can't put them in my top five just yet, mainly because we have to see them play a real team. And we will definitely see that this weekend when they play the Browns. But they're definitely they're definitely at number six. They are right behind the Bills. And I think if they can win this weekend convincingly, I think... I will probably move them up to number five, depending on how the Bills play against the Chiefs on next Monday. But that, that's just the only reason why I'm leaving the Steelers out of the top five. They're definitely top 10. I have them at number six, but I think they can definitely get into the top five. But we just need to see them play a real team first. Definitely. Um, and speaking of week six, let's get into our picks here. We have a total of six games for week six. Uh, we got the Texans and the Titans as our first game. Um, the Texans finally got that first win now that Bill O'Brien's gone. Uh, do they keep their momentum going, or what do you think here for uh, this game? Absolutely not The Houston Texans don't keep their momentum going. After what we just saw the Tennessee Titans do to the Buffalo Bills, <laughs> there's no way the Texans can compete with the Titans. I expect the Titans to run the ball well with Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill just playing the way that he that he did not only tonight but in previous previous games too finding AJ a. Brown uh Juno Smith and anybody else that anybody else that can probably come off the covid list like Corey Davis but as long as they stay healthy and they don't get another covid outbreak I, I totally see the Titans dominating this game. I agree. I think that there's, you know, enough motivation for the Texans, but I think that the Titans are, um, especially showing tonight what they did. Um, I think that they're a good enough team, even without Corey Davis, even without some of those other starters. Um, I think that that's a game that that's pretty easy to pick. Now I will say before we get too far into these picks, if anybody's betting on any of these games that we're picking, just pick the opposite of what we pick um, because we have a terrible record through three episodes. Um, so just take our, our picks here with a word of caution. <laughs> you know, I didn't really keep track of that, but yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, but it's just been well, so bad that I stopped counting. I think last week we were one and five. Wow. Something I really start, bad. I should really start counting too. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. just um, yeah. <laughs> Go, going back to the just the Titans too is just I think their defense is just so dominant right now. They're going to get Sean Watson and force a lot of turnovers. So th- that that's why that's another reason why I'm picking the Titans to win this game. I definitely can agree with it. Um, next game we have here is the Broncos and the Patriots, uh, both coming off unexpected buys. Uh, what do we see coming from both teams? Um, or, or whoever the winner is in terms of how they start and how they finish. You know, I think if the Patriots get Cam Newton back this week, I haven't heard anything. I haven't really paid attention to the Patriots, not that I do anyway, but if if they get Cam Newton back, I think they take this game just with how well he's played so far this season. 
because Jared Stidham and Brian Hoyer are not going to get the job done. They, we saw that last Monday night when they lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. But also just that defense, I think, is way, obviously way better than the Broncos' offense. So uh, the Broncos did get, get a win against the horrible Jets, but the Patriots' defense should have a big game against the Broncos' offensive line. And who's their quarterback? I, I, don't, I don't even know who the Broncos' quarterback Broncos. is. So. Yeah, I, I truly couldn't even tell you. I just know that it's not Drew Locke. Um, it's, it's not even Jeff Driscoll right now. Yeah, I I, that's what I mean. Is I, I don't even really know. Isn't it like Brett Ripien or something like that? It, it, yeah, it's something like that. I don't know, yeah. but that dude is not going to be one of the best defenses in the league. So yeah, no question, no chance. Um, my pick would be the same. It's near the Patriots, even if Brian Hoyer starts the game. I just don't see them beating that defense. Um, yeah, no. Yeah, I, I don't think there's much more to say on that game. I think that's pretty well uh, explained. So uh, moving on here, we have a little bit more intriguing of a matchup. We got the Packers and the Bucks. We got Rodgers versus Brady. Uh, the Packers coming off their bye, and the Bucks coming off a loss to Nick Foles and the Bears. What do you think here? You know, as much as I you know have faith in Brady and shouldn't go against Brady. I'm going to go against him just because with how well the Packers are playing and Aaron Rodgers just, I think Aaron Rodgers is going to have a big day against the against Tampa's defense. If I think Devontae Adams is going to come back this week. So that should really help Aaron Rodgers in the passing game. But on the other side of the ball for the, uh, Packers defense I think they'll struggle a little bit against Brady especially if Chris Godwin comes back and that offense gets a little bit more healthy for the Buccaneers I think the Buccaneers will definitely put up some points here but at the end I think Aaron Rodgers drives his team down the field and kicks a game-winning field goal yeah I think that this is going to be a little bit of a shootout style I don't think it's really going to be a defensive struggle Um, the Packers defense isn't anything to write home about um, it's been good enough, but they've also been scoring enough points to once again make defense kind of a moot point. Um, the pack, the the Buccaneers defense, I don't think is good enough to handle um, to handle what uh, to what's going to be brought against. Uh, I just really think that the Packers are going to come out on top here between Aaron Jones, um, especially if Devontae Adams comes back um, and Rodgers. I mean, he's, like like we mentioned before, the no name receivers, Scantling and Lazard. Um, and and just everything that they need is right there in front of them. And I think that the Packers take this game. Uh, I would say by a touchdown at most. Um, I'm thinking maybe you know three four points, um, nothing crazy. But yeah, uh, no. yeah, no, I, I agree with that, and I'll, I'll take this in my next one. Yeah. So uh, next matchup we got uh, next Monday night. It was supposed to be this Thursday's. It was supposed to be this week's Thursday night game, but due to uh, COVID reasons. Uh, this game had to be moved to Monday night. We It's the Chiefs and the Bills. This is definitely a high-key matchup and definitely has playoff implications. Uh, both teams coming off of horrible losses. Uh, Zach, who do you think rebounds in this game? Uh, I think it's the Chiefs. Um, I just think that the offense is too much for the Bills to handle. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, the starters, Hilaire, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. Um, but then they have guys like 
me Cole Hardman. Um, you know, if Sammy Watkins is healthy and able to go, um, Sammy Watkins, I mean, there's just weapons after weapons after weapons. It's not even fair. Um, and if that defense can kind of get itself back together there, um, you know, kind of motivate the secondary a little bit, get that pass rush back in action. Um, I think that they're a team that obviously everybody knows is really good. Um, but I can see this being a last second field goal type win. Um, you know, a, a Harrison Butker 65 yarder. <laughs> um, but that's my picks. I got to disagree with you. Um, I think the Bills rebound in this matchup. And I'm not like, no disrespect to the Chiefs or anything like that. I, I They're definitely going to score points and they're going to play well. Patrick Mahomes is going to play well. I think the Chiefs defense will step up. But just with the way the Bills play tonight, I think that will really motivate Josh Allen, Sean McDermott, and that whole team to come back and beat the world, the defending world champs. I think the Bills' defense will play better than they did tonight. I think they'll confuse Patrick Mahomes a bit, get to him, make him make a mistake. And Josh Allen, I I'll, I say that he gets back to his MVP form and doesn't throw an interception, protects the football. And I and I, I agree. I think this matchup can go to down to a field goal, but in the end, I think the Bills pull the win, pull out the win. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely possible. Either team's coming off a loss that kind of was a little unexpected. Um, everybody kind of thought the Chiefs would run away with that uh, Raiders game, and everybody kind of thought the Bills would beat the Titans, especially being extremely shorthanded. Um, I can see uh, either team winning, and that's why you know I said it's going to be just kind of a field goal game. It's such a toss-up. Um, heck, right. it could even end in a tie. Who knows? Yeah, right. Um, the next game here is going to be the Bears and the Panthers. Uh, Carolina's playing a little bit better here and might have the return of Christian McCaffrey this week um, to aid that momentum. Uh, what are you uh, thinking here? I'm going to go with the Bears just because I think Nick Foles plays better and he gets the ball down the field to Allen Robinson. And if, if they sign Le'Veon Bell by tomorrow, I think he will have a big day. I'm not saying that they're going to sign him, but if they do, and let's say he plays this upcoming weekend, I think Le'Veon makes a set. I think Le'Veon will have a statement game saying I'm still one of the best running backs in the NFL and I'm not going anywhere. But I think the bears defense will step up to Cleo Mack will shut down Christian McCaffrey. If he comes back in that Panthers running game, and they're going to get to Teddy Bridgewater and force him to make a mistake. So I, I'm taking the Bears. I'm going to disagree with you there. Um, Teddy Bridgewater looks like the guy who played for the Vikings three years ago and played extremely well. Um, I think that even – so if you get McCaffrey back, you get the most dynamic running back in football. A guy who can catch 10 passes for 80 yards and a touchdown and run for four more touchdowns and another 150 yards. Um, granted he'll be on a limited workload coming off a high ankle sprain. Um, I don't think he'll be back. I don't think they're going to rush him. Um, especially if they are going to start picking up momentum and potentially getting back into that division conversation. Um, being the saints are really struggling. The bucks aren't really, you know, stepping away from anybody else in that division. Um, it's really becoming a three team race. Uh, if the Carolina Panthers can keep this up, I think Mike Davis has done such a phenomenal job 
stepping in for McCaffrey, um, that they're going to take it very slow with him. I think that they will feel so comfortable knowing that they have Davis who can run for 80 yards, catch seven passes for 80 yards, and be kind of like that 1B McCaffrey style. Um, I think that they're a team where Robbie Anderson's playing. Curtis Samuel could have a big game at any time. Um, their defense has actually not been terrible. Now, granted, they're not a top unit in the league. They're not winning them games. Um, but I just think that the way Bridgewater is playing, he's getting chemistry with these guys. Um, I think that there's always a chance that the Bears have a bear kind of game. You know, they, they bear it away. Um, I think that the pack, the, not the Packers, the Panthers come out of this game with a win. I can, um, I can agree with that too, but, um, I, to me, I, I just think it comes down to the defense and the bears have the better defense, but yeah, but yeah, I, I also agree. I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to play. I, I don't expect him to play they're, they're not going to rush him back. So anyway, let's go, let's move into our final game of the week, which is probably one of the best games of the week. And, and one of the, one of the best games of the week and one that a lot of people will be watching. It's a rivalry game, probably a rivalry renewed the Steelers and the Browns. You got the top rushing offense in the NFL going up against the top rushing defense in the NFL. Zach, this is a good test for both teams to see if they are for real or not. So with that being said, who do you got? I think the Browns win. I think wow. that I think that uh I think the Steelers are gonna over or underestimate the Browns a little bit. Um, you know, we know that Ben Roethlisberger has more wins versus the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland than any quarterback since like nineteen ninety seven. That um, actually that actually ended on Sunday. Yeah, but I mean it would had to at some point, but you, you, get, right, my, right. you get my point. It's not being played yeah. in Cleveland. Not that that really matters. Um, I just think that the Steelers are, they're a good enough team, but I, I'm a little worried with how this Browns defense is playing, um, especially uh, the way that they're kind of getting to quarterbacks and containing them. Um, you know, Ben's not able to escape a whole lot of pressure. Granted, he still can extend plays and, you know, move to his right, move to his left, whatever, shake off, you know, the lighter guys. But um, when you're dealing with the, the likes of Miles Garrett, it's kind of tough to um, escape him over and over. You know, it's like escaping J.J. Watt uh, in his prime. Um, I don't know. I think for me, the Browns just are going to run the ball too well. Uh, the, the defense is going to be too focused on getting to the quarterback. Uh just the, the task of getting to Mayfield. Um, they're not going to be aware as much of the dump offs, the, the check downs. Um, and it's going to be interesting for me to see how Devin Bush does in coverage, because I think that's going to be a big point is Austin Hooper. Um, as we know, tight ends have exploited Steelers defenses in years past. Um, and Devin Bush is nothing like Shazier in coverage. Um, I think between, uh, Odell and Landry going up against Hayden and Nelson. You mentioned it earlier that Nelson's kind of looking like he was last year. Um, and Hayden has, has pretty much stayed under the radar as you want a cornerback to do. Um, I think Minka does make a play this week. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, Ben's been so good, so cerebral, keeping his head on his shoulders, not turning the ball over. Um, I think it's going to be one of those games where we struggle to get a ground game uh, and he has to start throwing the ball too much and starts making some mistakes. 
See, I agree with you in the fact that the Steelers will underestimate the Browns a little bit because they're going to come out swinging. They're going to come out wanting to score, obviously running the ball like they have been. But I'm going to take the Steelers. I'm going to take the Steelers solely because of the defense. I think the defense will continue to make plays. They will get after Baker Mayfield. And as we know in and, and as we know in recent past, if Baker if you contain Baker Mayfield, not allow him to escape the pocket and extend plays, keep him contained in the pocket, he's gonna make a mistake. And and we saw that against the Colts late in the fourth quarter. He threw two interceptions with pressure in his face. And he made two mistakes. He made he threw two interceptions. Um, I think the run defense is going to be is going to be good. It's not going to be perfect. They're not going to hold Kareem Hunt or any of the Browns' rushing attack to six yards like they did Week One against Saquon. But I, I think they'll do just enough to shut down the run, the run game. I do think that the Browns' offense will rush for over fifty yards, but the, the maybe even get to 80 or 90 yards. But um, I, I think the Steelers defense will do their job, stop the run, get to Baker and force turnovers uh, for the offensive side of the ball. Ben has done a tremendous job protecting the football. He'll continue to do that this weekend and spreading it out to Juju, James Connor, James Washington, Chase Claypool, and Deontay Johnson. If he comes back uh, healthy this week, but um. I, I do agree with you in the fact that I the ground game may struggle a little bit, and we, we can't we can't have Ben throw the ball fifty times to try to beat the to try to beat the Browns. But um, I also want to go back to my other point that I made about the Browns earlier is that they have one of the worst they have one of the worst passing defenses in the league. So I'm not saying that they're going to come out and Ben throwing the ball down deep a lot, but if you can exploit that. And make and make Juju and Chase Claypool have big days on Sunday. I think the Steelers will come out on top. See, I'd be happy to be wrong. It's more or less just one of those uh, kind of taking the numbers game um, in terms of who's been playing a little bit better. But I definitely can right. agree. If you can get the the, the pass game going, uh, it opens up the run. Just as starting the run opens up the pass. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree that this one could go either way. Um, I don't think it's going to be uh, crazy high scoring. Um, no, no, I don't either. It's going to be a classic AFC North uh, football game. Yeah, no, and I, I just got to be honest. I mean, this game does make me a little bit nervous. I'm anxious for it just because this is probably the best Cleveland Browns team that the Steelers have faced in a long, long time. So... Any one of these two teams can win, but at the end of the day, I'm sticking with my pick in the Steelers. Yeah, no, I, I don't blame you. Um, any last-minute notes you want to add before we wrap it up? Uh, no, I think we're all set. All right. Well, that was uh, episode four of the Red Zone Power Play podcast. Um, we'll see you guys next week, uh, next Wednesday, um, and hopefully the league doesn't go too crazy in our, our week off uh, covid gets under control everybody stays healthy um and we'll see uh um, yeah just um actually a quick note here be sure to follow us on twitter uh we gotta we have to start tweeting a lot more zach we'll, uh 
with our Twitter account, but it's just uh, simply at Red Z Power P. So we'll, we'll give you a bunch of updates on on our podcast, and obviously we'll tweet out when when our when our podcast is uploaded. Yep. Yeah, that's a good point. Forgot to mention that. Um, but yeah, on that note, that uh, this has been episode four, and we'll uh, we'll see you guys next week. See you guys. See you.